great to be with you all tonight. Today, as I get put back together here, appreciate everyone for being out. Glad that those who've been gone are back. It's good to be together to worship God this morning. You know, we use words sometimes without stopping to think about what they mean. And uh, maybe it's in business or maybe it's just in our everyday life where there's some words that we use that maybe they're big $5 words. We never really stop to think about what those words mean. We just sort of understand the word. We don't really stop to think about what it means. We do that when we're talking about religious things sometimes. We talk about things, we use words that we don't really understand what they mean. And maybe they are the long $5 words like hermeneutics or eschatology or apologetics, words we have a general idea of what, what they mean, but we don't really understand the true meaning of those words. They're not words that we find in the Bible, but they describe Bible topics. One of the fancy words that we use is the word beatitude, and David just read for us from Matthew 5, and we understand that that is the passage that we refer to as the Beatitudes, but that word beatitude is not in the Bible. It may be in the man-made adding, uh, section heading in your Bible there that refers to those as beatitudes, but it's not in the original text. Do you know why we call the beatitudes the beatitudes? We call the beatitudes the beatitudes because of what the word means. The word beatitude means supreme blessedness or exalted happiness, according to dictionary.com. We call those phrases that David just read for us the Beatitudes because if we do them, they'll make us blessed or happy. And so they're called the Beatitudes. We know them from Matthew chapter 5, but Matthew chapter 5 isn't the only place where we read about Beatitudes. In fact, we have several in the book that we just concluded this morning in our Sunday morning Bible class, the book of Revelation. This morning, I want to look at you, look with you at some of the Beatitudes that we read about in the book of Revelation. And this could be surprising that there would be attitude, there would be Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. Beatitudes are again are things that cause blessedness or happiness. After all, we would understand, based upon what we just got done finished, uh, got finished studying, that the book of Revelation is directed to Christians who were going through extremely difficult times, extreme persecution, persecution like we can't even imagine. And the outlook for those Christians from a physical perspective was very bleak. Yet in these times, they were promised blessings or beatitudes. And we can benefit from these as well if we'll apply the principles that are taught in these beatitudes to us today. We can enjoy the blessings and the happiness that comes from listening to God's Word. And so what are some of the beatitudes that we find in the book of Revelation? The first one is... Blessed is he who reads and those who hear. That's found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. There's an incredible blessing in God's Word. An incredible blessing. God's Word is a blessing to us. Imagine, 
a message from our Creator, a message from the Almighty God to you. God has a message for you. What a wonderful blessing that is. And yet, in spite of that, there are many who allow the Bible to go unread. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a message from your Creator in your hand and it goes unread? It does. In fact, this passage admits that because there are some who won't, but blessed are those who do read and those who do hear God's Word. Sadly, it goes unread by many in the world today. They might have a copy of it and it might stand on their coffee table at home. Or it might be by their bedside, but it goes unread. There's no blessing in just having God's Word. The blessing is in reading and hearing God's Word. Sadly, it goes unread for us, I'm afraid, because we allow other things to take priority in our schedule. We don't make time for God's Word like we should. And it's easy to allow the busy activities of the day to take precedence over reading and studying God's Word. It's easy to allow entertainment to take precedence over reading and studying God's Word. It's easy to allow rest and relaxation to take priority over reading and studying God's Word. But the beatitude of Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 is, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear. And we need to make it a priority. If we understand the blessing of knowing God's Word, I'm going to tell you it's going to reset our priorities. If we'll view this as the blessing that it is, it will reset our priorities. Psalm 119, verse 97, beginning. Psalm 119, beginning verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. The psalmist understood the blessing of God's Word. The psalmist was committed to reading and understanding and meditating on God's Word, and we need to as well. Is it your meditation? Do you value it the way that you should? Do you understand what a blessing it is? Could you say as a psalmist, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Or would it be more accurate to say, oh, how I love politics. They are my meditation all the day. Or, oh, how I love current events and the news. It's my meditation all the day. Or, oh, how I love the financial happenings of the world and what's happening on Wall Street. It's my meditation all the day. Or, oh, how I love sports. They are my meditation all the day. Or, oh, how I love what's coming across my social media feed. It is my meditation all the day. Could we go on and on? Have we allowed our priorities to shift? None of the things that I've mentioned are inherently wrong. But it's wrong when we allow it to take priority over God's Word. When we're too busy with other things to allow God's Word 
to be our priority, to realize the blessings of God's Word. Blessed is he who hears and who reads the message of God's Word. Since there is such a blessing in God's Word, it must have priority. We have to make it a deliberate priority in our life. That's what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul told Timothy, you make it a priority to be studying God's Word. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with a laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. <clears throat> give attention. Give attention to these things. Listen, brethren, studying God's word and learning it and meditating on it isn't going to just happen by chance. We're going to have to make it a deliberate priority that we want to learn more and more about God's Word, that we want to be studying it so that we can share it with others, so that it is evident to all, it says here, that your progress may be evident to all, and that we can help save others by our understanding of God's Word. This is serious business. If there is a blessing in reading and hearing God's Word, as we believe there is, then there also must be a curse in not reading it and not hearing it. If God said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, there's a blessing, blessed are those who both read and hear His Word, then can we also conclude that there's a curse if we don't read? And hear his word? Absolutely. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says it this way. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Could we be destroyed for lack of knowledge? If we don't give ourselves to both reading and hearing God's Word, I'm going to tell you there's a curse associated with that. But there's an incredible blessing with reading and hearing God's Word. Revelation goes on and gives us another beatitude. Revelation says that the, there's a blessing to those who do His commandments. That's found in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, a passage we looked at this morning. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter through the gate into the city. Blessed are those who do His commandments. There are those who say, or at least act like, God's commandments are a curse. But Revelation 22, verse 14 says that God's commandments are a blessing. Blessed are those who do His commandments. But a lot of people have this idea that following God's will for us in our lives is going to make us miserable. You can't do what you want to do if you're following God. You can't do what would be fun. You can't do what would bring satisfaction you can't do this. You can't do that. God's commandments are just a big drag on your life, and they'll make your life miserable. 
And not only can't you do these things, you got to do other things if you're going to follow God's word. Like, you've got to worship Him. And you've got to pray. And you've got to love others and put them first. And you can't be selfish. I mean, if I'm going to do this, this is like the recipe for a really awful life, a lot of people would say. That God's commandments are just a real burden and they'll mess up your life. But no. God says over and over again, and He is absolutely true, that His blessings or His commandments are a blessing. And we need to understand that. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Brethren, our life is better because of what God has told us in His Word. Our life, kids, is better when we do what God said to do, not what our friends might have us to do or what other people might want us to do that's contrary to this. Doing this makes our life the best that it can be. We need to understand that. God's, blessing, or God's commandments are not a curse. They're a blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. God's commandments are for our good always. Not just some of the time. Not just some of the commandments. Like, yeah, that command not to kill someone. I understand that's good for me because I'd end up in jail. No, all of God's commands are good for us. Not just that command, but the command to be honest, the command to not be selfish. Every command of God is for our good always. God is not looking down from heaven and seeing what would make you happy and what would be fun for you and what would be good for you. And he said, aha, I got them. I'm going to write a command that they can't do that because that would be good for them. No, God loves you and knows what's best for you. And that love and that knowledge causes Him to give us commands that are for our good always. You know, there's some who say that God's commands are a curse. That's not true. There are also others who would say to us that it doesn't matter how you live, that you can live any way that you want. In fact, once you're saved, you're always saved. All you need to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that's it. You don't need to get too concerned or uh, interested in obeying God. That's not really important. Don't worry about the obedience part. Just have faith that Jesus is the Son of God, and then live how you want to live. Obedience is overrated. It doesn't matter. Well, is that true? No. It says, blessed are those who keep His commandments. There's a blessing in keeping His commandments. You know, if you go out and say that you have to keep God's commandments, you know what you'll be labeled as? A legalist. You're a legalist if you tell me I've got to do what God told me to do. That's just crazy. Man, that is pure and undefiled heresy to say that you've got to keep God's commandments. People will look at you like you got a third eye. But what did it say? Blessed are those who keep his commandments. 
There are others who say, well, whether you keep God's commandments or not, it's not going to matter one bit. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You can obey God's commandments about purity if you want, but it really doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven anyways. You can obey God's commandments about honesty if you want, but it doesn't really matter. Be honest or don't be dishonest. You're going to go to heaven anyways. You can keep God's commandments about loving others if you want. Do that if you want, but it doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven anyways. You can, it, you can live any way that you want. It doesn't matter, some people are saying. And I could pull up a long list of scriptures, and I'd really like to, but I only have to pull up one. That's what Jesus said, again, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter into the gates of the city. Jesus said, it matters how you live. There are some who say Jesus is, that God's commandments are a curse. There are some who say it doesn't matter if you keep those commandments. There are some who say it, you should keep some but don't worry about keeping them all. Sure, there are blessings in keeping the commandments, but don't get too uptight about it. Don't get too concerned about it. Give yourself some leniency. Make some allowance for some guilty pleasures in your life. You know, do mostly good things, but you know you're never going to be perfect. Don't worry about getting all the evil out of your life. There's some things that are, okay. I mean, well, they're not okay, but you know, everybody does it. We're just going to let those things live around in our life. We'll keep God's commandment most of the time, but every now and then you've got to let your hair down. If we believe that there's blessing in doing God's commandments, then we're going to want to do all of His commandments. If I ignore any of His commandments, you know what I'm doing? I'm not realizing the blessings that God intended for me. What if I told you this morning there's $100 under these chairs. There's a $100 bill under these chairs. Which chairs would you look under? Would you just look under the ones that you like? Would you just look under a few? Or would you look under all the chairs and get all of the $100 bills? So it is with God's commandments. If there's a blessing in God's commandments, there's a blessing in all of His commandments. And we need to be keeping them all in our lives so we can understand those blessings. In fact, that's what God expects. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these the Lord will bring you into judgment. God expects us to keep all His commandments because there are blessings in keeping His commandments, keeping all of them. The book of Revelation goes on and gives us another beatitude. The book of Revelation tells us that blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. And that's in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. There's a blessing in a person who is spiritually alert, a person who is watching, who is alert spiritually, who understands what the Scriptures teach and heeds the warnings of the Scriptures. This person is watching. This is not everyone who claims to be a Christian, by the way. There are folks who claim to be Christians 
who do not heed the warnings. There are people who claim to be Christians who ignore the warnings, don't think about the warnings of the Scriptures, act like ignorance is bliss when it comes to the warnings about the Scriptures, that if they don't think about them, they won't apply to them. They're ignoring the warnings. They reason away the warnings. They try to figure out why the warnings and instructions of God's Word don't apply to them. If they can figure out some way to explain them away, then they don't have to heed them. They can discredit the message, not be watching, not be heeding the warnings. But the person who's spiritually alert is going to be paying attention to the messages and the warnings of the Bible and will be acting accordingly. And this heeding means that he's going to guard his garments. The idea here and the imagery here isn't of physical garments. The idea is of one who would take off his garments and go to sleep. And then someone might come and steal those garments while he was not watching, while he was not being spiritually aware. And if someone stole his garment, then... He would have the shame of walking around naked, which is shameful, by the way, regardless of what our culture would teach us. It's shameful to walk around naked. But spiritually speaking, there's shame in us not being aware and not being on guard and not being what we're supposed to be spiritually. On the other hand, there's a blessing in us being spiritually aware and watching and making sure that we're heeding the warnings of God's Word. And finally this morning, the book of Revelation tells us there's a blessing, a beatitude, if you will, a blessing in those who die in the Lord. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. From a physical perspective, this makes no sense. Physically-minded people are trying to hang on to life at all costs. They have to hang on to life at all costs, don't they? Because to them, this is all there is. There's nothing beyond this life. And so there's nothing more important than this life to those who are physically-minded. And so they'll spend any amount of money, they'll do anything that they can to hang on to life here. And when death comes for them, it's the ultimate defeat. They have lost. They lost the battle. It's all over. But from a physical perspective, we understand that death is not a defeat because death is not the end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning of verse 51, But I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Christ took away the victory that death can have over those who are faithful to him. Death is not a defeat. And since death has no more victory, we can be blessed in death if we're faithful. How so? How can we be blessed in death? Because we'll enjoy rest in death. 
Jesus told us that as we are living a life for Him here on this earth, that we're going to have difficulties. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, while we're here on planet earth, we're going to have difficult times and trials and tribulations. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to understand that we're in a war and we're fighting a battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand over and over and over again. We're told that this life is going to be full of struggles, that we're in a battle, and that we have to struggle to remain faithful, that we have to be working for the Lord over and over and over again. And so we need not be fooled that this life is going to be easy, that somehow if I'll become a Christian, then everything is going to be good, that there are not going to be any challenges, that everything's going to go my way. And everything's going to be smooth and everybody's going to be like me and I'm going to be popular and I'm going to get along with everybody and that things are going to be perfect. No, there's going to be struggles and we shouldn't be amazed or dismayed when things aren't like we want them to be. But when this life is over, we are told in the book of Revelation, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. When we die, we will be able to rest. Now notice that rest comes after we leave here. That rest is not here on earth. The tribulations and the trials are not going to go away while we're here on earth. And our labor for the Lord is not over while we're here on the earth. It comes after Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone come, uh, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. There's rest, but it's after this life is over. And we are to be working. Notice what Revelation 14, 13 says again. That they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. This isn't the time to sit back and quit. This is the time to be working. And if we're working like we should, then there is a blessing in death that comes to those who have devoted their life to serving Him. In spite of all the challenges that the Christians in the first century were going through, the book of Revelation throughout it talks about the blessings that come from serving God. There were enormous blessings for them in serving God. And if there were blessings for them, there are blessings for us today as well. Are you reading and hearing God's word and putting it into practice by keeping his commandments, by living a spiritually alert life and living a pure life? If so, you're going to enjoy incredible blessings in this life. 
and you'll enjoy incredible blessings eternally. The book of Revelation is an encouragement to us all in the Beatitudes that we read there. If you're here this morning and you're not living like you should, you're not enjoying those blessings. You're not enjoying the blessings that are here and now. You know, some people want to put off obedience. They want to wait until later. But why would you wait? If the blessings are now, why would you wait? Why not enjoy them now? If there's anything we can do to help you spiritually, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?